Cairo, Seattle. It's time to get schooled with a professor, John Clayton. Welcome to School with a Professor. We are pleased to be joined by Judy Batista of the NFL Network. And obviously the big topic this week has been the memories, all the great things about John Madden passing away, 85 years old. But what a great memory. And first off, before we get started, Judy, how far back do you go with John? Um, well, I I am old enough to remember him as a coach. Obviously, okay. I didn't cover him then, but I uh, I remember uh, watching him as a coach. Those great Raiders teams, mm-hmm. and then obviously, like the, you know, the bulk of my life and everybody yep. else's is his broadcasting career, which was just amazing, mm-hmm. uh, amazing. Like I've gone down, you know, over the last few days. You know, YouTube is a treasure trove of great John Madden moments, and it's just even watching them now, snippets of it are just amazing and entertaining and like how lucky uh how lucky we were to have it as an audience and boy how lucky the nfl was to have him because i don't, I don't think anybody um did more for the popularity of the sport than john madden did see i'm so fortunate because you know being as old as i am i go back to covering him in the early 70s <laughs> yeah because again you know my, my first year i was in high school and so it was 1972 and so, you know, covering for the St. Mary's Daily Press, you know, I was able to oh my goodness. watch the Immaculate Reception. I was able to watch that <gasps> playoff year, watch all the great games between the Raiders and the Steelers. And I don't know, right. because, you know, you, you remember watching him as a coach. What do you remember best about him on what his coaching success was? Well, honestly, what I remember is just that image of him on the sideline, right? Like in yeah. polyester and like the long hair and like he always had his credential for some reason, like he always had his credential hanging off his belt loop. Like go back, like which is sort of insane, right? He's the head coach of the team. Why does, yeah. why does he need a credential? Um, but I just sort of remember that, like, right? And like the enthusiasm and like how emotional he was on the sideline. Um, and, you know, and he was like that in the broadcast booth too, right? Like you just... Um, it, like all, he was sort of every man. He looked like every man. He did not look. Um, he he looked as if like a fan had been dropped onto the sideline. Obviously, mm-hmm. he knew way more about football than fans did. Um, and, and then I remember that you know those Raiders teams were so compelling. I mean, even if you weren't a Raiders fan, and this is still true today, I think like the NFL is a lot more interesting when the Raiders are relevant. Um, and they were super relevant then, right? Like they were sort of the wild child of the NFL then. Um, but like when you go back and look at how many great players, like the, the highlights that have been running since uh, Coach Madden died, I mean, the you know, Gene Upshaw and, um, you know, Kenny Stabler, of course. I mean, it's like the players were just – it was just a great team um, – and, and, you know, and, and John was just such a compelling uh, coach to watch. I, it, you know, they were they were really a pleasure to watch as a team, even if you weren't an, an Oakland Raiders fan, which I was not. Um, I was a Dolphins fan then. But, um, you know, they were they were just so much fun. And that, and I, I feel like that those teams, the John Madden teams are the ones, uh, you know, the image of the Raiders is still what it is because of those teams. Mm-hmm. Well, I still remember the great part is is that you know he had a unique way of just letting the players do what they wanted to do. 
I mean, he didn't mm-hmm. interfere. You know, like you know, if Jack Tatum wanted to blow up somebody, he'd let him blow up yeah. somebody. If Cliff Branch wanted to run a fast, deep route, he'd run a fast, deep route. If Ken Stabler wanted to do whatever he did, he let him do whatever he did. I mean, it was just amazing to think, you know, with all the characters they had on the team, you know, Lester Hayes and Mike Haynes and, you know, guys like mm-hmm. that, that, uh, you know, he, he let them all do what they wanted to do, and I think they appreciated it because he got the most out of them. And he was so young, right? Yeah. Like, he was such a young head coach. I think if that happened today and you had that sort of group of big personality players, you would probably not think that a young head coach would be successful at that, right? You would think that more an older, experienced coach would be needed to sort of corral those personalities, but not in that case, right? I mean, he managed them perfectly. They loved him. They played like crazy for him, and it worked. I know. One of the the things that I thought was amazing, and of course, I can't remember what the movie was, but this is how open and honest he is, and you wouldn't get this out of Bill Belichick. I remember him flying into Pittsburgh for a playoff game. Okay, and so they were staying at the Hilton downtown, and so we're over there for the for a John Madden press conference, and John was just totally wiped out, and we're going, John, what's the problem? He says, Oh, I can't imagine. I just saw this scary movie on the plane. It's really affected me, and so he's like, and I, I I don't know if it was Dawn of the Dead or something like that, but he saw a scary movie, and you know it totally affected him to a point where he had to bring it up in the press conference. He was affected early in the press conference by this movie that scared him to death. And he's like, tell me, John, tell me, Bill Belichick would have said something like that. Well, I mean, he, you know, that is was his gift as a coach, and then obviously as a broadcaster yeah. that he. He was himself, right? He was completely authentic. There was no pretense about him. No doubt about it. What are some of the best stories you picked up? Because obviously you have been this on more than anybody else in football this week. Some of the best stories you picked up about Madden the coach, Madden the broadcaster. Well, I, actually, Melissa Stark, my colleague at the NFL Network, told told a funny story on Good Morning Football about, you know, when she was on the Monday Night Football sidelines, when she was part of that crew, um, they asked her, you know, they would do production meetings on the Madden Cruiser. And so they asked her, like, well, what kind of food must you have had on the Madden Cruiser with John Madden? And she said, well, we actually didn't eat on the Madden Cruiser because everything was about, like, where you were stopping for the next you know, food. And he knew the best places to go everywhere, right? Like if you were going to Philadelphia, he was going to find the best cheesesteaks. And if you were going to Kansas City, he knew exactly the rib joint to go to. And like, it was just this sort of traveling gourmand experience with John Madden. Um, and then actually the commissioner, Roger Goodell, told a funny story that he was going to be on the Madden cr- the, the bus. And, um, you know, they asked, Roger Goodell's assistant, well, what does the commissioner want to eat while he's on the bus? And, I, you know, I guess the assistant said, well, you know, he usually eats like salmon and a salad. And, you know, and Roger gets on the bus a few days later and is informed by John Madden, like, we don't eat salmon and salad on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> um, so those were the sort of funny behind the scenes stories. But I'm also struck by how many, you know, players from that time when he was a broadcaster developed really close personal relationships with him and like the affection they had for him. I, I mean, obviously he adored Brett Favre. We all knew that. And yeah. Favre adored him back. And he had this close relationship with Peyton, 
um, you know, the, the players from that area, like they were not just, um, you know, those were not just normal production meetings where like they're asking questions and, you know, the players are answering and then they leave. Like they clearly had this great affection for John Madden. And then, uh, you know, I was also struck just sort of by the outpouring from coaches about what a huge role he played. I mean, Bill Belichick really talked for quite a bit um, yesterday about his influence um hiring minority coaches and scouts, like how he promoted them and how involved he was in player safety initiatives. And really, John Madden, as as you know, I mean, he, he was really an early proponent of player safety initiatives and um, in making sure they took care of retired players. Like, that was a big thing. And he kept on the league about those things, even after he left the broadcast booth. Um, so I've sort of been struck by by those stories from from all those quarters of of the NFL about how the relationships he had with them and the influence he still had on them. Yeah, Anthony and it, Lynn told a story today about how John Madden called him and he didn't believe it was John Madden. Like out of the blue, John Madden called him, and he, he thought somebody was pulling a prank on him. Um, but that you know that was Madden. I mean, he he was still very very involved with the league. And 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 the thing is, I mean, say what you want. I mean, even late in his life i mean he was still studying i still remember being in a hall of fame meeting and you know he was one of the mm-hmm. two uh, people speaking up in the hall of fame meeting you know talking about and he was just so knowledgeable talking about you know guys he, as players right well he um so i was i was lucky enough to be on that committee that chose yeah. the 100th year team and um i remember from those meetings how like the deep dives he did on like the linemen cuz you know the the mandate from what for that panel was select the top hundred players across the entire hundred years of the NFL. So obviously like all those players that none of us had seen play live. And when we got to the linemen, like John Madden had broken it down. Like he had found whatever film he could find of guys from the twenties and thirties and forties and done scouting reports. And we would ask him like, you know, who's better player A or player B. And he would give you the scouting report and tell you what he thought. And, um, I mean, I, I remember that, like the the amount of work he put into that, and also the deference that um, everybody on that panel showed. I mean, not, not obviously, like I'm nobody compared to the people on that panel, but you know, Bill Belichick and Ozzie Newsome mm-hmm. and Ernie Acorsi and people like that who were on that panel, who the deference that and the affection they had for Madden. Yeah, because again, I was on I was on the committee too, and uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> the the two things that we had. One thing that just amazed me is that you know here's Belichick working on his computer on coaches, and you know he's giving you know he's giving scouting reports on guys in the 20s and 30s, and you go whoa right. as in Madden, and then of course uh, you know the big thing was trying to hold down Rick Goslin, and uh, because he he get got all upset with us for not taking as many players in the 20s, 30s, and 40s. Right. I um, Belichick talked about that yesterday, too, that apparently I didn't know this at the time, but apparently he and Madden watched film together for that, mm-hmm. that wow. of, of linemen, um, which I mean, to have been a fly on the wall for that film session would have been something. Um, but, yeah, like I, he, you know, he was so interested. And I remember, you know, he was on conference call for those meetings. Um, and I remember the enthusiasm. He was so into it you know it like that enthusiasm that you saw from him in the broadcast booth and on the sideline was still there you know late in his life he was still totally enraptured by linemen right he just loved those guys um and that really came through what what made him such a great broadcaster 
oh my gosh, I, I think that he was just, you know, we use this phrase a lot now, but like he is the guy you would like to be sitting next to at the bar, right? He was just, um, I mean, he obviously knew more about football than anybody he was talking to, but he managed to to explain it in a way that he wasn't talking down to anybody. He wasn't trying to make him sound smarter, himself sound smarter than anybody else. He explained, you know, I mean, football's a fairly complicated sport. He explained it in a way that made it not just understandable to everybody, but fun, right? I mean, he was clearly having fun. And, you know, he his excitement made every game seem like the biggest game, right? I mean, you know, he could be calling. I mean, he he and Summerall obviously always did the biggest game of the week, but, you know, he could be a, like your routine week six snoozer and get so excited that that he pulled you in, that it made you excited for it. And I I think that is a big piece of why the NFL became so popular because he, I think he brought it to people who were casual fans He's certainly, you know, obviously the ardent fans were always there, but casual fans love that. He explained the game in a way that made it understandable and made you want to watch, made it fun. And, uh, you know, again, I've gone back and looked at some of the highlights and like some of the hilarious things he did, you know, when the telestrator came on the scene where he telestrated the heat coming off Nate Newton's head in a game one day, you know, and said, the line he said was like, you know, you could cook burgers on that head. And it's just like, you know, like, how could you not want to watch that? It was just great. Exactly. I mean, when, when did he get into the telestrator and how did he advance it? Because, I mean, he obviously advanced it more than anybody else. Yeah, because he used it r- really well. Again, he didn't, he really had a gift for not overcomplicating things, right? Like, and I feel like we've almost gotten away from that in the media lately. Like, I think we all, I think there's a lot of people on television now who, like, want to show you how much they know and want to show you how complex things are. And he did the reverse. Like, he wanted to make it simple. He wanted to to make you want to watch. And then, of course, he had a lot of fun with it. Again, he telestrated Nate Newton's head, and he telestrated, like, the Gatorade containers. And, like, there was a little Gatorade container, and he said the big Gatorade containers had had a baby. And, you know, so he had fun with it, too. I, I actually I did a piece for the um, Super Bowl program and about behind-the-scenes broadcast stories, and one of the stories was um, they were they were doing a Super Bowl, and Madden was doing the Super Bowl, and the telestrator broke. And as, as they said, that was not a good scene, right? Like, he loved the telestrator, and so when they had to tell him the telestrator is not going to be functional for the Super Bowl, like, that was not good. Um, so, But he, you know, he just used it to great effect. I mean, I thought he... He explained things well. He used it well, and he also used it for fun. Yeah, and he he did have such uh, fun in the broadcasting booth and everything else. And of course, then he would be on the Thanksgiving Day games, and it started with turkey and turducken and everything like that. And then he would use a telestrator to talk about where to cut up the turducken and all those different things. That's right. Right. Well, you know, I somebody said this. I can't remember who, but he he took his. I mean, he obviously took his job seriously, yeah. but he did not take himself too seriously. And I think that was the balance he struck. And, it, you know, it was great. It made you want to watch him. It made well, you want to know him. Yeah. Well, that's the one thing. It's like uh, I was so impressed, you know, particularly they've shown this on the NFL Network so many times and rightfully so. You know, his speech in the Hall of Fame saying I coached young, you know, I broadcast and all these different things. I've never worked a day in my life. 
And how right. memorable is that thought? Because again, I mean, Judy, you and I have been doing this a long time right now, and we love it. But of course, you can see he loved it even more than we did. Oh yeah, he. Well, I thought that was true, right? I mean, it, that came yeah. through that how much fun he was having, how much he loved the players and loved the game. Um, and I, again, I think that's why he was such a pleasure to watch on TV because you never got the sense that this was a burden or that he was tired. Um, he had to have been tired. Mm-hmm. Let's face it. You know, he was traveling all over the country in a bus. He had to have been tired. That never came through, right? Like he was just as excited to be, again, calling a game and, you know, a snoozer in week six as he was to call a Super Bowl. Yeah, and of course, I mean, the one thing I know that, uh, you know, from our meeting and, the, you know, taking the hundred from the hundred years and all that stuff is that, you know, health wise uh, and all that, he wasn't in great shape when he was on our conference call. But still, I mean, you could see, I mean, you couldn't tell because he was so generated as far as his enthusiasm, information, all those different things. You couldn't tell. That's John Madden. Yes, exactly. Exactly. He had fun with everything he did in football. He loved it. And um, really, right up until the end, I mean, he was really involved with the game. Yeah, no doubt. And of course, I mean, the final thought is, it's like, how many coaches do you think he helped through the years? Oh, boy. Well, I think just the stories of how many coaches he's called over the years, like just in the last few days, you're finding like, I mean, he reached out to Anthony Lynn. Like he had no connection to Anthony Lynn. Anthony Lynn had never spoken to him before. And he called Anthony Lynn out of the blue. He obviously had, you know, relationships with, you know, Belichick and and people, you know, that were closer to his era. Um, But I, I, you know, I I mean, I I don't even know if we know how many coaches he helped and talked to and counseled. I mean, Tom Coughlin told the story about um, after that game in um, 2007, when the Patriots were going for the perfect season, it was the last game of the regular season and the Giants played them. Both teams were already in the playoffs, so they did not have anything to play for. And Coughlin decided to play all out. He was going to play to win the game. And frankly, quite a lot of us in the New York media thought that was nuts. You're going into the playoffs. Like, why would you risk injuring Eli Manning? And it was this great, hard-fought game, really competitive. They lost. The Giants lost. Um, That was, of course, the year they then beat them in the Super Bowl. But Coughlin said that next morning he gets into the office and there's this voicemail from John Batten, like, praising him and thanking him for for playing to win the game and um you know that meant a great deal to Coughlin when Coughlin told that story like that meant a great deal that John Matten had weighed him and you know I I never thought of Tom Coughlin as needing anybody's approval you know he had plenty of success himself but you know it, it was touching how much that meant to Coughlin Judy Batista, great stuff. I mean, it's just been great watching your reports all week and everything that you put out there as far as Madden. Always great to see you know, what you put out for the NFL Network and everything else. I thank you so much for joining us with Schooled with the Professor. My pleasure, John. Happy New Year. And that does it for this week's podcast. In between episodes, you can follow me on Twitter at Clayton ESPN. If you enjoy these weekly one-on-one conversations, consider leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the show. Thanks for listening. See you next time on Schooled with the Professor.